Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Okay, go ahead and open your Bibles with either Matthew chapter 28. We'll be there in just a minute, but... Um, if you're new and you haven't been here in the last several weeks, we've started, or last couple months, we've been walking through a vision series. And we've been walking through this vision of being a gospel-centered church where we said we're, we're, we're for the city. We want to seek the welfare of the city, which means that uh, we want to see the good of the city come about because we're here. And the reason we're doing this is because, as I said through weeks uh, leading up to this, is that uh, many of us have come and been out of community. We haven't been in church. Uh, many of us, we haven't been reading our Bibles. We haven't been walking with the Lord, maybe like we did at one point in time. We really need to come back to this place of understanding what it means to be a Christian. But also, what is God calling us to do in our lives individually, but also corporately? We need to simply, as I've said, reimagine and reset when we think about doing church again, we need to reimagine what church looks like outside of a pandemic, and we need to press reset, not necessarily forgetting what we were or who we were before the pandemic, but pressing forward, not looking back and saying, let's go forward, knowing all we know, and let's be the church that God has called us to be. And to do this, throughout the last couple of months, myself and Steve, for a couple of them, we have we've looked at our three pillars of renew, rebuild, and, and re- release. And renew is simply the gospel. It's, it's Jesus working in your life. It's him uh, working through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to be who he's called you to be, but also by his grace, he, he saved you, which leads to rebuild where you're walking now in community with people, whether that's in your groups or people are pouring out on you their lives and and, and what they've been and who they've been in the faith. It's a mature believer pouring out onto someone a little bit more immature in the faith, not necessarily older, but someone who's been walking with Jesus a little bit longer. And after that, we call you to this place of release. This is all biblical where you now understand salvation. You understand doing life with people and what that looks like. And now you're called to be released and pour your life out on other people. It's time for you to give your life away, whether that be in your normal life, in your your day-to-day duties or your work or your household or your communities. Uh, People should be able to look at your life, and when they look at you, they see something different, which causes them to ask questions. And when they start asking you questions, you now get to introduce them to Jesus. And so so people should look at you and say, there's there's something different about you, Tim. There's something different about you, Markel. There's something different about you, Mom Roper. There's something different about you, and I want to know what that different is. And so last week I asked you, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready and willing to be a vessel that's poured out for the use of of Jesus? Are Are you ready to be on mission? And this week... I want to show you biblically a little bit of what that looks like uh, to be ready. And I'm also going to let you hear from some of our own here in our body on what being ready looks like. And so Matthew 28, we've looked at this a bit, 18 through 20. 
I'm not going to necessarily dissect it as we've done in the past few weeks, but I really want to get your gaze and, and, and cause you to really intentionally look at, there's really one word where, where Jesus says, go. Now, as I said, we won't break this down as much as we've done in the past, but we're going to look at many different passages today, so I need y'all to stick with me. Y'all with me? Kind of quiet today, so I need y'all to be with me. When we get to Matthew 28, if you've missed any of the sermons in the past uh, several months where we've been walking through our vision, I implore you, go back through it. We did that on purpose, so as we dive in together and we engage this body and we engage the city, we want to do this together. So I want you to go through that if you missed them and catch up with us so you can be on mission with us. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, go ahead and stand with me if you're able as we read the Word of God. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The very word of God. Amen. Last week, I, I asked you the question, are you ready? Uh, this week, I want to preach on or I want to tell you it's time to get in the game. All right? It's time for you to get in the game. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord, I, I just ask right now as I need you to hide me behind your cross so that you may be lifted up in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way in my words and in the hearts of your people, that anything I say and do would just be uplifting to you, not of me, but of you. Decrease me so that you may increase. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. Get glory in this place, and we all pray this in the name of Jesus, and we say, Amen, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> well, how many of you remember playing sports when you grew up? Come on now, y'all. Y'all remember playing sports? Okay. Maybe you didn't stick with it, but y'all remember playing team sports? I ain't got everybody. Y'all remember watching sports? Do y'all still? You, you've seen a team sport before, right? One of the worst things about playing a team sport is that sometimes you might not get the playing time that you think you deserve or worked for. Even worse than that, you might not even get in the game. It's tough, right? I, uh, I, team sports can be tough. I mean, you practice and you practice and you work as hard as everybody else. You go to the team meals, the team outings, you listen to your coach. And sometimes you just don't get to play like you want to play. And worse than that, you just, you, you're a bench rider. You, you, you don't get off the bench. I, I remember the first time this happened to me. I was one of two third graders to make the fifth grade team. I thought I was hot stuff, y'all. I was the man. I, 
I made the team, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I was practicing hard, and, I, and I'm going every day, and I'm listening to my coach, and a couple weeks before the game, and I, I tell my mom, I say, look, mom, I'm about to be balling out. I'm about, to, I'm, about to, I'm about to score 20 points, and it's going to be amazing. And because of that, I don't need one Gatorade. I need two Gatorades because I'm going to be sweaty. And so my mom bought me two Gatorades, and it was a new one with the you could squirt it in your mouth. I mean, Jordan used to do that stuff. I'm like, yes, I got my two Gatorades, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I get to the game, and I'm sitting on the bench. After warm-ups, got my two Gatorades, they're kind of hidden under my seat because I don't want anybody to see this because I, I want to get in the game. And I remember it like yesterday. The first quarter goes by. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, we went in the game. Let's go. Oh, yeah, yeah. My boy just hit that shot. Second quarter, I'm like, all right, coach. Um, it's a minute left. We went in. I'm ready to get in the game. I'm ready to get in the game. Then we get to the third quarter, and I'm like, look, I've been practicing in my mind. I'm saying these things. And then fourth quarter, I'm like, yo, I'm right here, coach, tapping his shoulder. I'm ready to get in the game. And y'all ain't even getting in the game. You ain't got to say, oh, I made up for it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get in the game. This is the worst feeling ever. I got a picture. I wish I would put it on the screen. I got, I'm, I got first picture after the game hiding my two Gatorades behind my back like this because <laughs> I'm just embarrassed. But that was the last time that happened to me. First time and the last time. From that day on, I made it my mission to be prepared to when I got my shot, I would be ready when the coach put me in the game. So I practiced harder. Day in and day out, I practice, and I would be the first in the suicides, and I'm going to make sure you see me hit this bucket. And after that, my coach saw in practice that he could trust me on the floor, in the game, because of what he had seen. Now, here's the point. My first basketball game, I looked the part. Had the Gatorades, had the jersey on. I, but the reality was, I wasn't really ready. I only had a couple practices under my belt. I was in third grade on the fifth grade team. I wasn't really ready to play the game. But after a few practices and continually playing and working hard, I was ready, and I got my shot. Now, now hear me. Let, me. let me step into your neighborhood a little bit with this, because I don't want you to get lost in this. I don't want you to miss what I'm getting at, because we tend to take this same work ethic into our Christian faith. And the reality is, is if we take this practice and work hard ethic and we correlate it to our Christian walk and how we walk with Jesus, it can be problematic. Follow me. Getting in the game in your Christian walk with Jesus is a bit different. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, where you have surrendered your whole life to him and said, Lord, I'm yours. Take me as I am. I experience my joy, satisfaction, love, joy, peace. All of that with you, Lord Jesus. I get it all from you. Thank you for saving me. You've given your life to Jesus. You've handed it over to him and you believe in him as your Lord and Savior. Hear me. Unlike me having to practice over and over to be ready for the game, the reality 
of the Christian or for the Christian is that even if you're not fluent in spouting off scriptures or knowing the Bible from front to back, you have a testimony to share with somebody of how Jesus has worked in your life. You got a testimony. Even if you have anything else, you could tell people of what Jesus has done in your life. And because of that, there shouldn't be this, uh, Jesus has to tap me on my shoulder for me to be ready to get in the game. Or, 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 it's, or Jesus has to tell me, or my pastor has to say, okay, I commission you to do this. No, no, here's the reality for the Christian. You are already in the game. If you're saved by his grace, Jesus has, has saved you and you believe in him, you're already in the game. See, but the problem is that too many of us have made that that parenthetical bench our home. Well, we've been taking all the notes, all those hypothetical notes. You, You are experts on the Christian game. You've watched all the game film. You you've seen all these people walk it out in front of you. You know left from right, you know scripture, you know all of those things, but yet you're still sitting on the bench waiting for Jesus to tap you. It's your turn to get in the game. You're still sitting there, and you know what? We said it throughout the last week. week, you're, You're parenthetically getting kind of fat. You're just taking it all in. Lackadaisical, just sitting on the bench not utilizing what God has already given you. In reality, he's already told you to get in the game. If you know Jesus, you're ready. We make this being Christian thing way too hard. We make it way too hard. I, I remember when I, when I shared Jesus with, with Steve, Pastor Steve, y'all know Pastor Steve? When I, when I shared Christ with Pastor Steve, he, I was six months into the faith. That means I didn't know anything. I wasn't a pastor, not preaching, any of that. And I remember it like it was yesterday. He, in the middle of the night, I woke up, he's talking to my other roommate, and he's, he's talking about all these, he's just ready to give up on life, suicidal thoughts and all of this. And y'all, I'm six months into the faith. I, I don't know what to say to this. But what I did know uh, to say is that, man, let me tell you something. When I'm walking on this campus and I put my headphones on and I just start listening to that gospel music and I, I, I listen to the word of God, it just feels like I'm untouchable. And I I walk through this campus and I got such a joy because I know that Jesus has saved me from my trauma and my pain and my past. And I feel his peace. I told Steve that and he said, D, I want that. The next day he gave his life to Jesus. We make this thing way too hard. It's not rocket science. And now he's a preacher. All of us that know Jesus have been saved from something. 
even if it's just the knowledge of knowing that Jesus dying on the cross has saved me from the wrath of God towards my sin, which means now that my internal destination is not hell anymore. My eternal destination is heaven for the rest of my life with him. Even if that's all you got to say, say something. We all got a testimony. We all have something to share. Some of y'all still missing this thing. I, and I know why. I know why. This one might hurt a bit. It's because of our American understanding of Christianity. Because of that understanding, our, our faith has become so individualized. It's become solely about me. What's in it for me? How do I get through the day? I need a word. It's all about me. So because of that, we don't do life with anybody anymore. We, we, we go to church maybe, and we, 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 we may read a scripture here and there. We go to group and the things that people do that are Christians. But outside of those places, nobody knows that you love Jesus. Nobody knows that you love Jesus. And even worse, let me step into your bedroom a little bit. I've been in your kitchen already. Let me step in your bedroom on this one. Your Christianity has become so routine. This is somebody that in the midst of your routine, not only are other people maybe saying, like, do they really love Jesus? But you're questioning your own faith. Is this thing really real? Is God real? Does he really love me? You read your Bible, you go to church, but you do these things. You don't really believe it. You're struggling because it's become so routine. You've lost your zeal. You've lost your passion. Dr. Crawford Ritz, my granddaddy in the faith, he says it this way. He says, our hyper-individualism has eroded our commitment to our cause. Let me say it again. He says, our hyper-individualism has eroded our commitment to our cause. We have lost our sense of call and commitment as Christians in the game. Get in the game. In this passage, he's about to ascend to heaven, and before dying, he says to his disciples, which I believe he's saying the same thing to us, he says, go, meaning essentially get in the game. Go make disciples of all nations. That means every people, tongue, tribe, and nation, all colors. Teach them what I've taught you. And what happens? These 12 guys, they go out and they Turn the world upside down for Jesus. Just imagine what we could do with 500. Just imagine with me. What could God do? Today, listen, my hope is that you go away compelled to move. But also, I want you to understand that this is just something you do in your day-to-day lives as Christians when you're released. It's not rocket science. You don't have to be a theologian or a pastor to live your life for Jesus. In our, in our passage of Matthew 28, Jesus says, go. Everyone say go. go. 
He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Now, make is the imperative verb here in the passage, meaning that he wants you. He's commanding us to spend time with people and to pour out our lives on them as we make disciples. But don't miss this. Before he gets to the word make, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, not you, but me. And then he says, go. See, what Jesus is saying is that I'm with you. Now go. You're not by yourself. I'm with you. I want you to go. In fact, the word go in the original language is passive. So essentially, Jesus is saying, as you go, trust me about everything you do. Trust me with your life. But intentionally, I want you to, verse 20, I'm with you until the end of the age. I love that. You go, but, but it's not on you. I'm with you the whole time. Now, notice he doesn't ask the question, are you ready to go? He, he doesn't ask a question. He doesn't even give him time to ponder the question. He doesn't say, you know, go take care of what you need to take care of. Go do your job, make your money, and, and live the life you want to live. Then come follow me. No, he's, no. He doesn't. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, now go. He says, you know me, you've walked with me, go. As I said last week, believers share their lives with others, one, because they understand what Christ has done for them, and two, they understand that this earth is not their home. Heaven is, which means that if I still am alive here as a believer on this earth, it's not for me in my glory. I'm here, as Paul said, to live as, to live as Christ, but to die as gain, which means when I go to heaven, I'm going to gain everything. But if I'm living here, I'm living to pour my life out onto other people to where when they see me, they see Jesus. It's not me. It's not about me. Jesus says, go. But the question is, well, Pastor D, what does this really look like? Well, I'm glad, glad you asked. T- take a ride with me. We're going to walk through the Bible a bit on this one. Again, remember, as I walk through this, it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. But as you live your life for Jesus, your life should point to him where it causes people to say, man, there's something different about him or her, the way they live their life, and I want to know. And when they ask questions, you get to introduce them to Jesus. So let's start with how Jesus did this. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You don't have to flip there. Just write these down. John chapter 1. Jesus is literally minding his own business. Minding his own business. And he just walks by. And John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God. And two of the disciples that are with John the Baptist drop everything and they follow Jesus. And Jesus, I could just picture him walking down the street and be like, what's up? He, what, do you, what do you want? And they say, where are you going, Jesus? And he says, well, come and see. They drop everything and they go with Jesus. Now, get it. Jesus wasn't doing anything extraordinary. He was just walking. But he was ready and willing to pour out. And he said, come and see. These guys dropped everything, ran after him. And fast forward three years later, they turned the world upside down for Jesus. Some of y'all said amen. Not, uh, flip John chapter 4. Jesus is he's tired from the journey. He's weary and he's thirsty. 
and he chooses the quickest way to get to Galilee, which is to go through Samaria. Now, backstory on this, Jews and Samaritans, they do not get along. They don't like each other. Because the, the Assyrian army invaded Israel in 722 B.C., and when they invaded Israel, they started intermingling with the people, and the Samaritans were formed, and Jews to this day call them half-breeds. They call them dogs. They do not like each other. And so Jesus, even though this is true, he chooses to go through Samaria. Now, I'm going to tell you how tense this was. People would take hours, uh, they would go out of their way hours and hours around Samaria to get to Galilee. They, they didn't want to come in contact with these people, but Jesus does not do that. Jesus goes through Samaria, and he's tired, text says. He wants some water. So what does he do? He stops at the well. Now, does Jesus understand this tension? I'm pretty sure he understands this tension. But my man is tired. And he's like, we're going this way. I'm not going around. We're going this way. And he sits down at a well. And at this well, he's there in the middle of the day. It's hot. And he asks this lady who happens to be there for some water. Now, nobody draws water in the middle of the day unless they don't want to be seen because it's hot. This woman has been ostracized from society. Nobody likes her. She's had five husbands, and the man she lives with right now is not her husband. She is also Samaritan and a, a woman at that, so Jesus really shouldn't be talking to her. But he asks her, can I get some water? Nothing stops Jesus. Long story short, he doesn't let it, anything stop her. His, her. Her lifestyle, the cultural barriers, the, the gender, gender issues, the racial barriers, nothing. Let's, he, he, it doesn't, none of this stops him from sharing who he is and having a conversation over a glass of water. And because of this, not only does she get saved, but revival breaks out in the land. Now, we can argue that Jesus went through there on purpose and he was on a mission. I've preached it. I believe it's true. But the simple fact is, as you read the word, Jesus was just tired. He wanted some water. And he stopped at this well. And he shared with this woman. She gets saved and everyone else around us too. Nobody would talk to her. But I know some of y'all like, well, Jesus, that's Jesus, Pastor D. That's Jesus. I don't get any amens for that one because y'all like, that's two Jesuses there, Pastor D. I need somebody else. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. Peter, after receiving the Holy Spirit, along with 120 others, after Jesus ascends, they all receive the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in their native languages. The key thing about this is not a mystical language. The key thing is that they don't know their native languages. These people are all Galileans, although they're from all these parts of the world. They don't know their other language because they were raised, kind of like America, speaking one language. So they don't know where their people are really from and that language that they speak. But the Holy Spirit falls and they start speaking all these languages. And something's wrong with them. They got to be drunk. And then Peter, in the midst of this now, stands up. And he starts defending the faith. They're not drunk. We're not drunk. He starts talking about Jesus and, and sharing the gospel. And 3,000 people get saved and baptized. 120 to 3,000 get saved and baptized because he stood up. Now, listen here. Peter, in my opinion, did not do anything extraordinary. 
Any of them could have stood up and did this. He's just ready. He's willing. And he defended the faith. He shared some Old Testament passages that all these people would have known at this time. And he told them about Jesus. They get saved. I know y'all like, well, Pastor, that's Peter. He's an apostle. Okay, well, cool. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Philip, I love this story. Philip, Philip, and the Ethiopian eunuch. My man, he, he, he starts heading south on a walk. He, he goes on a walk, and he comes in contact with the Ethiopian eunuch, a Gentile or non-Jewish person, and a court official at that. Now, Philip, led by the Holy Spirit, goes over, and he starts talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, and he notices that he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And I love what the eunuch says. He says, well, how am I supposed to understand if nobody guides me? Y'all missed your shout because that's where he opened the door up. And so Philip said, okay, let, let me see what you're reading. And this is what it says. Look at it with me. Acts chapter 8, verse 32 through 33. It says, now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb... Before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In, hu- in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, whom is Isaiah speaking about? And Philip says, he's talking about Jesus. He proceeds to tell him about Jesus The Ethiopian eunuch gets saved right there. He accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior right there on the spot. But wait, it gets better. They continue to travel on down the road, and the Ethiopian eunuch's like, look, look, look. There's some water over there. Can I get baptized right now? And he gets baptized right then and there. He said, look, I'm unashamed of what has happened to me. I'm unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to proclaim it. So I want to be baptized in accordance with my faith. And he gets baptized right there on the spot. Y'all, this is good. But listen, Philip was just traveling. He was just walking, minding his own business. Nothing extraordinary here. He was just ready, and a life was changed. Family, there are passages that are riddled throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible, where people have just been going about their normal day-to-day, and God used them to do something that they could never imagine because they were ready. And now it's time for you to get in the game. It's time for you to get in the game. And I know some of you are like, well, Pastor, that's the Bible. All those people in the Bible and they're holy. No, they're really not at all. Jacked up just as, as us. If not more. You're like, well, we heard you and Pastor, you and Kaylee talk last week, and, and y'all planned a church. No, we jack, we too, we messed up too, all right? And so what, what I really want to do though, because of that, I, I hear you. I want you to hear from some people in, in the body. And with that, I, I don't want you to hear, when I bring them up here, I don't want you to hear or even think of me saying, hey, they're the example. That's not it. But they're just living their life, and as they do this, uh, things are happening around them. Lives are being changed. 
This is also not a ministry pitch. This is not, hey, this is what you need to do and get involved with that. You got to do what they do. My wife said something last week, and I'm going to steal her words or quote her. There you go. <laughs> she, she said, you were made on purpose for a purpose. That means God has given each one of you all different burdens and passions and giftings, and God wants to use you in those various fields. And it's our job to figure out what that is. And it's not rocket science. He said amen, and he travels the world playing music and sharing devotionals all over the world. He didn't know I was going to say that about him. But he shared Jesus with everybody through, through playing the keys. How has God gifted you? That's what we want to do. And so as they talk this morning, I, I want you to hear them, and I want you to really think about what is it that God has called me to do. And you don't need me to tap you on your shoulder as your pastor and say, hey, you should do that. You don't have to wait. Jesus, you don't have to sit on the bench. You're already in the game if you believe. So what is it that he's called you to do? It's not rocket science. And so I, I thought about this, these four ladies, as I've, I've kind of used all these examples of different men. I, I just, I'm glad to bring up four ladies. And um, I was, their names all start with T's. And I'm like, yo, we, I'm about to introduce y'all to the, the talented T's. Or, or, or new R&B group, you know, coming to the stage, the four T's. Y'all put your hands. That didn't work. Put your hands together for the four T's as they come up. Come on up, ladies. I need, can I get two mics? They actually have names. I'm sorry. I'll let them introduce themselves, who they are. Well, thanks for joining me up here, ladies. I'm a little intimidated because y'all, y'all so talented. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I, 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 I just wanted them to just share a little bit about what they do in their normal day-to-day -day lives, and and the hope is to give you more of a practical picture of what it looks like to be released. Um, and do the work of the ministry. And it's not rocket science. It's just what they do. So if you just share your name first, we'll, uh, we'll go down the line. And who are you? My name's Tamara Barger. My name is Tammy Patterson. My name's Tony Sherico Horace. And I'm Patricia or Trish Jemba. Trish Jemba. So Tamara, Tammy... Tony, and Trish. So I want to just start with this question. Eva can answer this. But when you think of the word released, uh, when you talk about being released, you've heard me preach on it. What comes to your mind? We do this in our membership class. But what pops in your mind immediately when you think about people being released for Jesus? Well, I believe everything starts out of love. And John 14 and 15 says, if you love me, you will obey me. Mm -hmm. So if we love God, we want to be used by him. Um, we make ourselves available to him. And um, that makes us want to be obedient to what he calls us to do. That's good. I think my understanding of being released is after being equipped with the gospel, um, biblical teachings and mentorship or discipleship, being able to go back to our respective 
corners of life, and then as the scripture says, like make disciples in those everyday corners of life. That's good. That's really good. What do you say, Miss Tammy? Um, when I think about the word release, um, what comes to mind is faith bigger than fear. Mm. It is me being having the freedom and being alive to experience my creator and me understanding why I was created and the purpose that he has given me so that I can be able to live to glorify him and not be a prisoner of regrets. That's good. That's really good. Faith over fear. What would you say, Ms. Tam? Uh, Tony? Well, when I first um, really received a specific calling, I was at a place in my life where I could really see God was giving me experiences to prepare me to do what he, on, what he launched on me. And I was thrilled and relieved that I found it, mm. that I could do it, that um, he'd, he'd been preparing me all the way. That's good. That's really good. That's good. In light of that, um, I, I would love to share all the things that you all do, but I, I'm going to let you do that. But when you think of being released... And what's that really look like for you all individually? Um, you do a wide variety of things, and none of them are really the same thing. Um, but I think sometimes, as I've said in the sermons in the past couple of weeks, is sometimes we believe we got to be theologians, we have to have a doctorate degree, or all these different things, or the pastor has to do the work. And the reality is, Jesus has told us all to be on mission and to go and make disciples. Um, so in in the simplest form, what, what does that look like for you? What are some of the burdens that God has given you, some of the passions, and how have you lived that out in your life um, being released now as a believer? Go ahead. Well, my focus of, a big focus of my whole life has been children, and uh, I've always been interested in foster care and adoption. Um, I'm a social worker. Um, had four kids, two adopted, uh, two birthed, and um, so I was always looking at the whole cultural phenomena of kids, especially kids in need. Mm. So uh, almost 20 years, it just fit. Mm. It just fit exactly my whole um, idea of taking care of children, and um, it's an effort to keep kids out of foster care by coming alongside struggling young parents and really physically, practically helping them. And it often, it's hosting these kids in our homes for a weekend, a couple weeks, a couple months. Other times it just looks like supporting a young mom who's homeless or struggling with illness or unemployed or a million different things. So. Um, it's called Safe Families for Children, and I've been involved for years, and it's just so practical, and it's so Jesus. It's what Jesus would do <laughs> if he were here and met a struggling That's young good. family. I, it just has become a huge thing in my life, and I, I'm so thankful that God connected me to it because it just suits me perfectly. And yet, I've seen other people who aren't into kids come alongside and they benefit so much that's awesome that's true i've eaten at her house and she's definitely had different kids at her house that she's housed and fed and clothed and and so if you want to know more Jesus about that definitely do. it is it's true it's exactly what he would done everyone they have a home go ahead Ms. tammy um for me 
Um, mine is having a heart for women, um, elderly people, and prayer. Um, God has really put it on my heart, um, especially with the elders this year, um, just being intentional, especially in my condo unit. Um, there's one elderly woman that um, I don't know if she has really has family or not, um, but every week, um, Father has been um, compelling me to buy her, show her the love of Christ. Um, and as far as prayer, um, that is a burden because it's um, just so important to be able to be so connected with God to be able to allow for him to um, help me to be intentional about praying for the needs around. Um, about three weeks ago um, at my job, we had an employee who threatened to kill me and some other employees. Mm. And um, they gave us armed guards and they um, went through this whole act of shooting um, and was um, advising us to you know, work from home. And instantly what the spirit put on my heart was like, no, you go to the plant manager. You tell them to pray. You are mm. not to be fearful of death. Death for you is a win-win. Death for them is not knowing God. Wow. And so for me, having mm. to be bold to come back to work the next day and day after to teach them about praying to God and having this young man literally repent mm. and God seeing him move in my company has just been amazing. So the burden of really being able to walk out and believe what God says is true. That's good. Um, so, yeah, wow. just the women's, yeah. So those are the things. Come on now. That's good. Trish, Tamara, what would you guys, what, is, what burdens have the Lord put on your heart? Um, for me, it means giving up my time. The burdens of my heart are for the homeless on the street and um, those suffering from food insecurities. Um, the reason I give is because, you know, God first gave to me, and I, I really wouldn't be on the stage if um, he wouldn't have saved my life. And so um, if we are to be like Christ and be image barriers of him, um, he is love. Mm. And um, when you're wrapped up in his love, um, you can't help share his love with others. Yeah. And uh, he acknowledged the needs of others, and um, that's what I want to do. And so that's what my family and I decided to do. We um, started an organi organization called Blessed by Barkers, and we plant blessing boxes around the city of Chicago to meet the needs of the people on the street. And we stock it with food and drinks and essential winter items and just anything that uh, you would think someone would need on the street or anyone who is um, dealing with food insecurities. And so since Jesus met and acknowledged their needs every time someone looks at my box or our box and sees our box and takes from our box, we they know that we acknowledge their needs as well. Mm. That's good. That's good. Go ahead, Trish. Sure. Um, I think that the Lord has placed a particular burden or given me a heart for women and young people um, and helping them 
unlock the power that's inside of them um, through their voice and through sharing their perspectives. So whether that's been um, recently in the classroom with my students or um, during the height of the pandemic through a book club, a virtual book club that I started, I have been blessed to walk alongside um, women and students, young people, um, as they've unlocked that power and that voice inside of themselves. Um, in the pandemic, I enjoy reading. And uh, before the pandemic, I would use my commute to work on the train to read. And that would just kind of be my own time um, to just distance myself from the world and um, get into my books. And then the Lord would lay certain things on my heart to like pray about throughout the day with my coworkers and the work that I was doing. So when the pandemic hit, I didn't have that time, that devoted time to do that anymore. Um, so that's how I started the virtual book club. I figured I enjoy reading, quarantined by myself. So I also thought that it would be healthy to reach out to people and share this joy that I have for reading. So that is how the Ladies Get Lit book club started. <laughs> um, and it's a bunch of women from across the country that come together on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And we are reading books together. They're not theological books. They're not quote unquote Christian books. Um, but it has turned into a sisterhood. And um, back to the, the burden that's on my heart, you know, to see women grow into the power of their voices, um, the books that we read and the conversations that we have are on topics that Jesus cares about, mm. right? So things like love, things like um, what it means to be a good neighbor, things like gentrification, racism, um, and so on and so forth. So many different topics. We get to grow in our perspectives on those issues and talk about them. And people that wouldn't necessarily know what Jesus's perspective is on a certain topic get to hear that and yeah. uh, grow in that curiosity. Um, so that's that's been a blessing. I love it. And none of these, so you, they get community now. They're also, um, they're connected and they're learning about what it means to be a, a true, a woman. Yes. A woman. I love that. And so let me ask all of you this. Um, does it feel like you're working when you do these things? No? Not at all. Not at all. Does it feel no. like, is it tiring? Is it like you're like, I don't want to do this? <laughs> no, it's, these are all things that you, you're, you're passionate about and many things that you are already doing. Like you are already starting to do these things before you... Like you just said, you're on the train and you're reading. This is a passion that you had. You had uh, children always in your house. Miss Tammy is a prayer warrior, if y'all know her already. These are things that she has done and poured into many ladies here. Uh, Tamara, her kids, and the way they've given out, they already do. It's not, hey, we went and started something because we just feel like it needs to happen. No, this is something they're doing. They're already going about this. And so it's in their everyday lives. I'd love to ask this last one, and any of you guys can answer this, because um, I would imagine there are people here that are, like I've been saying, kind of sitting on that parenthetical bench, waiting to be tapped to get in the game. Um, maybe what's some things, or it could be practical or just uh, encouraging to say, this is why you should get in the game with um, kind of what, what encouragement would you give to them to just say, go ahead, go? Anybody can answer this one. Um, for me, I would just say just stay present to others. 
um, don't be so, I feel like this, the society that we live in is all about us. So try not to think about yourself and start thinking about others. Um, also just acknowledge other people's needs. Um, and don't miss the present opportunities in front of you. If um, someone comes knocking on your door, a family member or a friend, and, and says, you know, I need a place to stay, open up your home. Mm. Um, if someone is sick and needs a meal, um, go ahead and, and make that meal for them. Um, if someone just needs a friend to listen to, um, give words of encouragement and be that listening ear that they, they really need. Um, and just just be intentional. That's just good. be intentional with others. Um, the more we connect with other people, um, the more we shed God's light in the world, uh, the more joy um, and satisfaction we'll all have, and uh, the better the world will be. That's really good. Um, I think I will want to give a little push in the fact that we have the greatest privilege of all in being Christians, mm -hmm. that we get the opportunity to be able to share in this great story that lasts for all of eternity, that it is so fulfilling, it's so rich, that when you choose to be completely committed and in, you get to come alive, you get to become free, you get to know God in ways that you never ever would. So the encouragement is to believe what God says to you, mm. to be fearless, not to be afraid. Let your faith be bigger than your fear and trust him because he has not failed you yet in anything, whether it be ministry, um, politics, um, family. Trust him because he entrusted that gift to you, and if you're not going to use it, it's wasted. So I will want to give you that encouragement and that push. That's good. Y'all give it up for the ladies here on the stage. I mean, they, they, what they said has been amazing. And I, I just want you all, hopefully you're, you've been encouraged, even challenged in some way. I want you to think practically of what it looks like for you. All of you all, like I've said before, have different burdens, different passions, different giftings that God has laid on your heart. And what's that next, pra next practical step that you need to take, uh, as, she's, as Ms. Tammy said, to be pushed in that direction? Or as Tamara said, be intentional. What are those steps? You're already in the game, if you believe. Don't wait for the tap. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You are truly an awesome God. We do give you praise. We give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord Jesus. Lord, I do pray for everyone in here, Lord. Um, that they would heed the call to go make disciples. And as they're going, they would trust you in their daily walks. Whatever that may look like for each of them, God, I pray uh, that they would be challenged to walk more intentionally and intimate with, intimately with you in their walks. And by doing so, uh, people would ask questions. Thank you for who you are. We pray this in your mighty name. And everyone said together. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.